0: It's time to make the Crunch Time Plays.
1: Now your host, Bennett Ganey. Bennett Ganey, The Crunch, Crunch, Crunch Time Plays.
0: This is Pat Smith from 3-Man Front, and you're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin with Sports Illustrated's Dogs Daily. You're listening to Crunch Time Plays.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Tara Talmadge with the Pig Trail Nation, and you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays.
0: Hey, it's Jim Denaway from the next round, and when it comes down to the final ticks on the clock, always look for Crunch Time Plays. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Crunch Time Plays today. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thanks so much. We're continuing our run to college football, helping you make the Crunch Time Plays, have the latest information for every bad conversation that, that you have out there, allowing you to make the Crunch Time Play in every conversation that you're having with just sitting around or whatever you're you're doing, talking sports with everybody. We want you to have the, the latest information. And got... Evie Van Pelt from the Rebel Walk today talking some Ole Miss from football, talking some SEC expansion, and, and Evie, it's an honor to have you. Hope you're doing well, and and thanks so much for taking some time.
1: I am. I'm real happy to be here. Um, I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to see, see what Crutch Time Plays is all about.
0: There's no doubt about that, and definitely appreciate you uh, uh coming on. And and you know the big the big news, obviously for for maybe people that have have been living under a rock uh, the past week and, and hadn't heard the news, but but Oklahoma and Texas are heading out to the SEC, and just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that from an Ole Miss uh, perspective. I know you're you're a Texas A and M grad as well, so I know you you probably have some thoughts. About that from their perspective as well, but but since you cover Ole Miss from an Ole Miss perspective, uh, what do you think that'll be like uh, for Ole Miss? And then and then we're kind of talking about it uh, before we started recording the you know the scheduling format and you, know, you start talking looking at pods, looking at divisions, even no divisions with maybe three three permanent opponents and six rotating opponents, but and, you know the pod will probably be you know I I kind of laid out. Uh, the pods looking at the two Mississippi schools and then maybe LSU and Arkansas to to round out uh, that pod. But what, what what would you say is kind of the biggest uh, talking point from an Ole Miss perspective about uh, these two conferences or two, these two programs being added to the SEC?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I think that in terms of the Ole Miss fan base, um, I think one I think it was kind of comical. You know, you probably saw from SEC Media Days, somebody approached AM athletic director Ross Bjork about the the expansion as it was kind of breaking. And he looked to be steadfastly against it, let's just say. And uh has been the subject of, you know, some some laughs here and there. But um I think Ole Miss fans mostly probably you know, a lot of people don't like change, but a lot of people think the only thing that's inevitable is change. And, um, pretty much, I mean, everybody I've talked to, they're you know, it really is neither here nor there to them. I mean, they're you know, if they come in and we play them, fine, if we don't, fine. Um, I think that you know, everybody's just looking forward to getting back to some football and maybe having a normal season, hopefully. But um, for the most part, I mean, of course, the the concern would be, you know, are we going to still have Mississippi State in our pod, in our division? And I can't obviously in any world see that changing. Um, But I think it's exciting. I think, you know, Texas and OU are really, really solid programs. And I think, you know, the old, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. So, you know, come on.
0: Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And and even, you know, the pods, it, it gives you the opportunity to, that's kind of why I'm for the pods, just giving the three, having playing your three teams in your pod uh, every year and then having nine conference games, maybe playing uh, two teams for, from every other pod uh, every year as well to kind of round out uh, that nine. But did want to ask you, about and also being able to to preserve those natural rivalries. You know, we talk about the Egg Bowl, talk about the Iron Bowl, talk about some of the other uh, SEC rivalry games that are out there. Uh, Florida, Georgia, and they're in another pod. Just, but from a, a recruiting perspective, I know Ole Miss is is in the Arch Manning sweepstakes, and <laughs> just yeah. just visit just visited uh, Ole Miss uh, uh, with Cooper, his dad. That obviously him and and Eli played. I had Ole Miss Peyton, of course the the black sheep going to Tennessee. Uh (laughs) didn't didn't be a part of the uh wasn't a part of the uh the lineage of uh of Ole Miss, but but from a uh possibly an an Arch Manning sweep state perspective, maybe how that can affect uh Ole Miss is is standing uh with Arch Manning. I know he's he's really high on Texas, really high on Alabama, really high on Clemson, a lot of the schools uh, that he's visited so far. But but where do you kind of see Arch Manning stacking up with the the rest of the teams now that Texas is in the SEC? But, you know, from a Texas perspective, you know, I know a lot of people are saying that, that recruiting is going to go up now that Texas is in the SEC. But you're going to have to, to – for it to grow. And while that's true, the thing that makes it true is, is Steve Sarkeesian being there, his innovative – Uh, offensive personality, Texas really being able to show that they can compete against SEC teams that will have a positive impact on recruiting. Cause just the fact that they're now in the SEC, I don't really think that benefits recruiting just from that perspective, just because of, of what Texas A&M is building with Jimbo Fisher and, and, the recruits aren't going to be crawling at the gate because you know Texas hasn't really been relevant since 2009. A lot of these recruits now don't even remember uh, when Texas was relevant back when they played Alabama in that national championship game. So from a, an Arch Manning sweepstakes perspective, what do you think this move for Texas uh, means for that? And then where do, where do you think Ole Miss stacks up with Arch Manning right now?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that there are some who have thought well, it, it really helps Texas, you know, because who, who wouldn't want to come play in the SEC? Or at least that's how all the SEC people look at it. Uh, then there are those who thought, you know, maybe he was going to go to Texas to be outside the SEC where he wasn't, you know, he didn't have the Ole Miss legacy or, you know, maybe not going to Alabama. Um, you know, I don't know, but it, it it will be interesting. I think, you know, by all accounts, um, and my director of recruiting, Lee and Herring could probably speak a a little a little better on it than me but from everything I heard I mean he had a great time at his visit and you know that was the thing when some of the national media was going on and on for a while there but oh he hadn't taken a visit to Ole Miss he hadn't taken one and it's kind of like he's grown up there you know I mean he's he's you know uh, he's been there probably more than anywhere else other than where he lives so I wasn't too worried about that but I am glad he took an unofficial visit and um, you know of course we saw social media you know pictures of him and Matt Corral out I guess on the square maybe and um, you know this and that but you know one thing that's interesting is as you and I were talking before the show started it's going to be interesting to see when Texas and OU actually enter the SEC because if they truly as and and I'm with you I don't think I really think it's going to be any later than next year but were it to be 2025 the way they talk I mean, Arch is a 2023 kid, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't even know, it wouldn't, wouldn't affect him for, for that long, probably, regardless of where he, where he goes, so I don't know, I mean, I think that, um, I think that you're gonna see, I don't know if you watched any of, of, the Manning Passing Academy or any of the kind of the footage that came out of there. But at one point, Peyton was talking and was asked a question. I guess they were having a question and answer session. And somebody said, why did you pick Tennessee over Ole Miss, you know? And so that was kind of funny to hear him answer that. But one of the things he said is, you know, he never considered changing his mind, that he made his decision with the, the best information he had at the time with what was best for him and then stuck with it. And I think that's what we will see with arch. I mean, I don't know at what point he'll actually make a commitment, but I think at whatever point he does, I think that he'll stick with it or you know whomever it is he chooses I hope it's Ole Miss uh we got a great article up on our site about him and his recruiting journey right now um anyway so you know I I don't know of course I would love nothing more than to have another another Manning at Ole Miss my daughter was at Ole Miss when Eli was the quarterback and I sure would love to see Arch there with Lane Kiffin that'd be fun fun fun
0: you know, it's 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 interesting whenever we talk about uh, what Lane Kiffin could do uh, with Arch Manning. I think we're seeing a a pretty uh, a good example of that and what he's doing with with Matt Corral. Assuming that Lane Kiffin stays at Ole Miss, I know a lot of people are concerned about about keeping him longevity. Personally, I think I I would, you know, as just a college football enthusiast, I would kind of like to see Lane Kiffin stay. Uh, at Ole Miss and kind of build, uh, what he's, what he's going to be building there.
1: Oh boy, no doubt. You and me both. I think that, uh, if Lane Kiffin chooses to stay at Ole Miss, I mean, there'll be something named after Lane <laughs> by the time he, by the time he decides to leave. So, you know, I know he joked in one interview, somebody was talking to him and he said, you know, they keep giving me such a big buyout, you know, that I, I can't really look anyplace else. And I mean, of course, you know, I mean, he's, said that in jest, but that is I'm like, come on, athletic director Keith Carter. Let's you know, yeah, let's keep that keep that really big buyout. So um I, you know, he's he's just fun to watch. And I think, you know, that's one thing people have asked me about is what does the fan base think and how do they feel about Kiffin? And 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 you know I think there's just such an excitement around Ole Miss football that that was lacking for a while and I think for a while you know some folks were mad they wanted a new coach or you know whatever but then it Kind of just moved into some apathy where you were seeing people talk about just boycotting the games. Of course, then COVID came along and took care of that, I guess. But, but uh, really and truly, just the 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 Kiffin effect we call it, and and I just think it's been wonderful, wonderful for the players. I think you know you've seen. Now, I think there had been kind of a thought throughout the conference and the and probably the country that he didn't really have to worry as much, you know, with the four and five star players. I mean, yeah, they might get some every now and then. But honestly, I mean, Kiffin is going all over. I mean, he made it clear he's not just just looking at Mississippi kids. Um, he will go wherever the talent is. And he's brought in some some kids from really all all over. So I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true, and 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 we're here with Evie Van Pelt from the Rebel Walt. So, Evie, we're actually going to start talking about some football now. You know, a lot of people <laughs> we we talked about in the off season. We've had all these stories coming out, but it's actually talk, trying to to talk about some football as uh, as fall camps getting ready about to start this week. But but just looking at at Ole Miss is, is explosive offense going into to this season. Obviously, Matt Corral is back. He's one of the the only returning starters. Uh, in the sec just would you say that and for me it's definitely true is is matt corral kind of the combo of matt corral lane kiffin and jeff levy kind of the best a combination in the sec of course you kind of have a an emerging uh combo with 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 top, what kirby smart and Ty munkin are going to do with jt daniels this this year as well kind of opening up that offense a little bit more but but to but to you is is Matt Corral, Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy, that's gotta be one of the that's gotta be the best combo between a head coach, offensive coordinator, and quarterback in the SEC right now.
1: Boy, I tell you, I think so too. And I mean, I am, a, I, I am excited to see what JT Daniels can do. Um, but this this coming year, I think that's going to be fun to watch. But I wouldn't trade Kiffin and Corral and and Jeff Levy for anything in the world. And I know Jeff Levy had a lot of offers this last at the end of this last season to go somewhere else, and everybody is so thankful. Um, that he stuck around for this coming year. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I think that the thing that really struck me at SEC Media Days, I was there in 2019, the last one that we had had, because last year we didn't have it because of COVID, but Matt Corral was there. And, I mean, he just was like a wide-eyed freshman. You know, it was really interesting. He, he, the difference in him between 2019 and then 2021 just Incredible, and uh, we got to have a little private breakaway meeting with him and uh, Coach Kiffin and and defensive back Jalen Jones, and you know, he just basically said, you know, a lot of people said, well, you know, why didn't you leave last year? And he said, mentally, I wasn't ready. You know, I mean, I there was no way I was ready to leave. Last year, and he, and he, you know, the way he approaches, you know, he had really two two bad games last year, where the, you know, I think eleven of his interceptions came in two games or something. So, um, you know, and he was just real blunt about it. I don't know if you watched any at SEC Media Days when he was up there, but he he just said, you know, I wasn't I wasn't ready for the drop eight. I saw against Arkansas and, and later, and he said, and I, you know, we just had to fix some things. And um, one thing coach Kiffin specifically talked about was when people said, why didn't you pull him in the Arkansas game? You know, that many interceptions, why didn't you pull him? And, and he said, you know, I mean, Kiffin was a quarterback and he said, I'm, I'm not going to mess with my quarterback's confidence like that because then you just get into all sorts of problems. And Corral said after, at, at media days, he said, after that game, Kiffin, you know, brought him in and talked to him and said, you're still my guy. You know, we're gonna we're gonna fix this. I have confidence in you. And he just Corral talked about how much that meant to him personally. And I I think my thoughts on Corral besides just the the big arm the you know he's got he's got good wheels. I mean I think he was second on the team in rushing. I mean he's you know he's got he's the entire package. And I but I really do feel like the mental part of the game. You know it's good that he's coming back this season, and I think people are gonna see that he's really strong, and um, I think he's worked really, really hard this offseason, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize that this will be his first year at Ole Miss where he has the same offensive coordinator in the same offensive scheme because he had you know he had rich rod he had phil longo he had you know i mean he's had a lot of different you know so now he's in his third offensive coordinator and third scheme and i and i think having that spring this spring was huge so i'm really excited really really excited to watch corral's growth and watch how well he does this year
0: yeah, that's definitely true. You mentioned the two key points there about about actually having a a spring practice, which I know we'll get into when we talk about the defense uh, as well, and then having that same scheme and back to back years, like you said, it's the thing he's never had before. That's why I really think he's uh, really due for just a monster year uh, this year, and and that's why you know I have him as the definitely have him as my top quarterback in the SEC. Uh, going into the regular season, but I know a lot of people are interested in the supporting cast. Uh, now, of course, you lose Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa. Lost to Brown equated to around forty-eight percent of your receiving production from last year, but still pr- plenty of production coming back in Ontario Drummond, Boylan Sanders, Jonathan Mingo are guys that that have played a lot of snaps that can really step up at receiver. Of course, it always helps to have a great stable of running backs, and they certainly do that with with Jerry and Eli. Definitely, in what I think is definitely a top five SEC back. Still got Snoop Connor, Henry Paris Jr. back there, and tight ends. I'm kind of kind of interested to see. Uh, what they do with the tight ends this year, Coach Kevin Roost really stretching the field uh, with those, like he did last year with with Kenny Yaboa, Casey Kelly, and, and Chase Rogers are the only two to contribute uh, in the passing game last year. But but Hudson Wolf, I think, is a, is a, yeah. a freshman that I mean, just from watching, just watching the spring game, watching some different things during the offseason, season, he's definitely a guy that that could be a freshman breakout guy. So so, what do you think about that? Supporting cast for Matt Corral because it definitely has the the potential to be as is explosive and, and even more explosive uh, than last year. And is and is there anybody that that I didn't mention that that you think would have a, is going to have a monster year uh, as well?
1: Well, let me answer that first question uh, uh, or last question about monster year. I think that uh, it's going to be really exciting to see what they do with John Rice Plumley. And I think that he's, you know, Kiffin had a talk with him after baseball season and he told us at media days, you know, I'm gonna let him tell y'all what all we talked about. But basically, you know, he's he's back. He's agreed to play literally wherever they need him. So um, I think a lot of people are hoping we see him at the slot. A lot of people were hoping that for for a while. Um, and then watching what he did in the outback bowl. my goodness you know what an outback bowl he had he looked like he'd been playing slot all his life and it's like kiffin said you know he's he's always been a quarterback he's never played this he never you know he had a week of practice and he said and he got out there and played like that and he said this isn't little league where everybody can just go play wherever I mean this this you know that was big deal so I think he's going to be one one definitely to watch um, but I think that offensively the Rebels return four of five of their starting offensive linemen so that's huge they got a transfer uh, center a couple of weeks ago from Utah, which what that will enable to happen is Ben Brown will move from center where he played this last year. He'll be able to move back to his guard position, which is more more his normal position. But um, I think, you know, the guys you mentioned, I think Braylon Sanders, I, I'm looking for him to have a big year if he stays healthy. Don Terrio Drummond, Jonathan Mingo. Um, we've got some uh, transfers. I think uh Jacour person i believe um we've got uh quay davis i I just think that there's going to be a number of kids that are going to be able to step in and for tight end you know you bring up a good point casey kelly tore his acl right after the outback bowl um, I thought he had a great Outback Bowl and was really, you know, so I was really sorry to hear that for him. But by all accounts, he's recovering very well. I don't know. I don't think he'll be ready to play when the season begins, but I think not, you know, maybe partway through it, we might be able to see him. And I'm really excited to see Hudson Wolf play. Um, I, I hear he's, he's going to be all healthy, uh, should be healthy and ready to go. So I'm looking forward to him too. But you're right. I mean, Elijah Moore and Kenny Yeboah were absolutely phenomenal. And um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them at the next level. But I really don't think with Lane Kiffin and Jeff Lebby's system and a quarterback like Corral. And, I mean, On Ealy is on Ealy. He's just fantastic and fabulous. So um, I, I really think it's going to be a fun year offensively.
0: Yeah man I do too. I'm definitely looking forward to to watching uh, what Lane Kiffin, Jeff Levy, and those guys come up with uh, offensively, but the you know the real the real bugaboo is we're going to get into next. <laughs> we're going to talk about the defense and and you know in the the kind of the changing world of of college football there's there's really you know kind of kind of four uh, stats that that I like to look at. There's not really you know, you're not beating anybody nine to six anymore. And and Nick Saban has certainly uh, acknowledged that and and changed uh, his scheme to to fit that. That's why he's definitely one of the stepping one of he's the one of the best uh, that's ever done it. And if not the best that's ever done it. And, you know, the, when you look at, you know, turnovers, when you look at kind of getting off the field on third down, when you look at you know, when you get in the red zone, can you force three and instead of seven? Can you limit some of those explosive plays? And Ole Miss did give up 71% touchdowns in the red zone uh, last <laughs> yeah. year. And they were one of the last in the league as far as getting off the field on third down as well. But definitely, even though they were kind of abysmal last year, but having, I really do think having a spring practice and what they've done uh, in recruiting is really given DJ Durkin and that defensive staff some time to to have the ability to be improved because, like we say, with the with the explosive offense that Ole Miss has, you really just have to be average defensively to be able to beat a lot of teams.
1: Right, that's true, and I think that the the good thing about Kiffin um, and Durkin and Partridge is I think that after last season, I mean, Kiffin made no bones about you know, defense and its shortcomings and what they needed. And um, I think that they really went after it in recruiting. I think both in freshmen and in the transfer, uh, they got some JUCO transfers. Um, I think that that's going to be really interesting. And, and you touched on some things. I think that the the three areas they were really, really struggling in stopping the run pressuring the quarterback and getting off the field on third down. And those were three, and I think that three really, really key areas for defense. And um, they got two junior college transfers, uh, defensive linemen. I mean, the defensive line, I felt like, um, I mean, it, it all starts up there. And I feel like we were kind of undersized last year um it, it just looked that way you know one of the one of the dads uh, of a linebacker on the team is a friend of mine and he would say you know evie we we look little look at us out there compared to you know whoever and and i think that that really with the two juco kids isaiah Eiten and jamon gordon um i think he's really helped helped the size and the skill and the athleticism up front um i think that uh, i'm really looking forward to seeing if Taiwan Malone can play. He's a kid from Bergen Catholic in New Jersey, defensive lineman and uh, just athletically gifted, just a really talented kid. So um, with the two big JUCOs and with Taiwan, I think it's going to be, that's going to be fun to watch. I think that the, the back end of the secondary was, uh, you know, struggled at times. And I think that they've addressed some things back there too um so it should be you know like you say a combination of of bigger stronger personnel and and again i just think you can't underestimate you know what what kiffin said no spring having no spring last year was a big deal but it was really a big deal for the first year coaching staffs across the country you know who were implementing new systems so it's it's one thing if you're Alabama or you know I mean even A&M you know somebody where you've had your system your kids know your system maybe your freshmen don't but nobody's freshmen really do but you know for these guys last year it's like Kiffin said at one point they didn't even when the fall started I mean they were still trying to learn everybody's names you know kind of I mean so um it, it was a it was a big deal I think not having that and and the players seem to all thus far feel like that that this year is gonna be gonna be different, both from personnel and from experience standpoint.
0: Well, certainly having a having a spring practice being able to spend, I know you know just listening to a lot of the coaches that were first year on the SEC last year it was really hard especially defensively the way the the offenses are are looking nowadays it's really tough defensively whenever you don't have a a spring practice so that definitely benefits uh, Lane Kiffin and, and those guys as well but kind of looking at at the SEC West and where Ole Miss might stack up in the last, last thing uh, before I get you out of here just kind of looking at where Ole Miss stacks up in the West. Of course, Alabama rebuilds. They they reload. They don't rebuild. Of course, with Bryce Young's an unproving commodity, but certainly a, a guy that, that you think can is going to have a monster year, especially with the weapons that they have, as long as he can distribute it to them. they you know, looking at A&M and what, what Jimbo Fisher's built. They're looking at LSU. They're going to have a – got to think they're going to have a, a really great comeback year. Uh, this year you know Ole Miss I got them finishing fourth in the west the other three uh, in that sa- in that order just where do you kind of see Ole Miss kind of stacking up in the west just based on the schedule cuz really it's harder to pick it's harder to pick 7th than 1st in the west this year cuz Mississippi State and Arkansas are coming on Auburn's going to be coming on with Brian Harson as well so it's really an SEC a uh, wild west uh, coming up these next few years
1: Oh yeah, it really is. I think that, um, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's harder to pick, uh, you know, two through five. Um, I, I think that's going to be that, that may even come down to a little bit of luck, you know, I mean, a, a bounce of the ball here, here or there. Um, I know that Ole Miss gets A&M at home this year. Um, so that's good. Um, LSU, you know that'll be good. I mean, I think that you know home field advantage is always always good. Um, I don't know. I mean, frankly, I feel like I'm kind of like you. I feel like if the Ole Miss defense can improve even moderately over last year, I mean, I feel like they were kind of getting they were kind of getting the hang of it and get the pieces together when they played Indiana in the Outback Bowl and and to end the game they had a defensive stop and you know, that, that, as you mentioned, you know, I mean, that was few and far between. So I, you know, I think that a lot of them felt like that was kind of a turning point for them. And so to then be able to add in some, some new kids and not only that, but I think Ole Miss had like 18 players that came in mid-year. So, you know, that's really a good thing that they've been on campus and were able to participate in the spring. So many of them, um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm ever the optimist. So I think I think Ole Miss can can beat a and i A&M. I'm like you. I do think that LSU is going to rebound. I think that they they have the potential to be very good this year. But I mean, I could see Ole Miss. I, you know what? I mean, it's kind of like Landrum Roberts said on three-man front that day at SEC media days, he goes, I could see Ole Miss winning 10 games this year. I mean, I just think, you know, it just depends on <laughs> a bounce here or there, you know, how's the defense going to do, but I, I if if they finished second in the West, it wouldn't surprise me if they finished fourth in the West. I mean, I could just, you know, I think it's going to be, anybody can beat anybody on any given day, so it's just going to be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it really is, especially uh, in the West, and, and there's really, you know, there's kind of three or four teams in that in that tier, uh, in, in the West that you're kind of thinking, well, they could win, you know, they could win between seven and games and, and 10 games, just depending on, a uh, maybe one bounce of the ball here or there, one, uh, right. one red zone stop, one turnover.
1: Right. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that that's where, you know, I think Ole Miss, uh, you know, last year, I feel like the difference in the Auburn game, there was kind of a little, you know, kind of a muffed, must return by the Auburn guy that Tylen Knight falls on in the end zone and they don't review it you know I mean that's a difference in the game um so I mean I know the key is you don't put yourself in in that position but I think that you know Ole Miss plays some of their tougher games you know LSU in Oxford and a and in Oxford and I think that um you know, that, that's helpful. I mean, that's two of your biggest, you know, rivals play Arkansas in Oxford. Arkansas is always, always a tough game for, for Ole Miss. Um, So, you know, I think that it's going to be really fun to see, but I, I think that again, anybody who's going to beat the rebels will have to score a lot of points to do so. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that because when the, the way they're you no, know, the Ole Miss is is probably they're definitely going to be uh, leading the SEC uh, in, in total offense and points and different things like that. So there's definitely uh, definitely going to be interesting to see uh, what teams can do offensively to be able to to keep up, of even especially if that if that Ole Miss defense is even even remotely improved from what it was last year, but, but awesome stuff today. Evie, thank you so much for, for taking time to tell everybody where they can find you, uh, on social media, where they can find your, your content at the rebel walk and where they can find, uh, everything else uh, that, that you're doing. And really appreciate you taking some time. Definitely got you, definitely got to get you back on, uh, before the season and during the season as well.
1: I'm looking forward to it. I really appreciate you having me on. I've enjoyed it a whole lot. So I hope you'll have me back. Um, Folks can find me, as they see on the screen, at Ole Miss Evie. They can also find us on Twitter, at The Rebel Walk. Also, TheRebelWalk.com. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram. So um, look us up, and um, we enjoy covering Ole Miss football. And thank you so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. Really appreciate you you taking time today and appreciate all of you out there watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It's been another edition of Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody.